episode 15 of the Flames Fancast. So tonight we're going to talk about two games in particular. The St. Louis game, which was on, when was that? That was on Tuesday of this week, and the, and the Montreal game, which was on Thursday of this week. No, 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 no. St. Louis was on Wednesday. Montreal was on Friday. That's yeah, right. That's there right. You Sorry. Go. Tyler is on the ball up. now. We're good. We're but good. Uh, I know we mentioned in the last podcast that we really needed to create some home momentum from those games, get two wins if we could. We came away from those games two from four points. Uh, initial thoughts on that? Well, we got we got the points against St. Louis, uh, but we really shit the bed against Montreal. And, you know, I got to say, the Montreal fans are the most obnoxious fans in the fucking stadium, basically since the Edmonton Oilers fans. I just hate, I just hate when they, you can hear it on the TV, because I was watching that game. I hate when it, Another team scores in our arena, and you hear and a discernible cheer. Yeah, it's just so frustrating. It's I, like, guys, I went, I went with a buddy of mine, and I, I almost got into a fight with the guy on my right because he was a big Habs fan. Apparently, he had a Jean Bellevue fucking jersey on. I'm just like looking at him, going like, "You, you never even know. You never even fucking watch this guy play." And uh, I wanted to, I wanted to smash his head. I wish I had a waffle iron with me. You know, if if you hit somebody with a waffle iron, for the record, the Flames fancast does not condone violence of any kind. I condone violence. Jenk condones violence, <laughs> not the Flames fancast. <laughs> but anyway, uh, agreed. I hate it when our stadium is overflowed with away fans that are louder, more obnoxious, and not just um, just just in general, vocal. like it's bullshit. They're more vocal. And I was telling the guy that took me to the game, who's a very close friend of mine, by the way. Um, hopefully, we'll get him in the next podcast. But I was saying that we should have an entire section dedicated to away fans. We need to go to soccer route. And I want to huck shit at them. I don't care. I don't care what it takes. We'll have a whole section dedicated to the away fans. And then they can, they can have their own thing and they can all do their ole ole chants or whatever. By the way, when that happened, the first time we scored... And we were one goal behind them at that point. And I was yelling at we some were, of the fans. Against Montreal, we were 3 nothing down. We were 3 nothing down. We made it 3-2. We made it 3-2 when there were fans around me going, ole, ole, you know that chant that they yeah, have? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I fucking looked at them going like, are you guys fucking nuts? And then we scored. It was 3-2. So I was like, yeah, yeah, ole it up, boys. Like, let's ole it up. Like, I want to get another goal against against you guys, right? But anyway. I we lost. You. That was a that was a shit game by the Flames. Um, See, I don't I'm, even know who to blame on that one. But uh, on the flip side, the St. Louis game was was a great game. Like we came out of the gate, fantastic. We game. came out of the gate hard, and we played the game a full. We played a full sixty minute game, and you looked at that St. Louis team in the last in the last uh, dying minutes of the third period, and they had just they'd run out of desire to play against us. They had just kind of thrown in the towel, and they said, "This is enough. We've lost this game. Oh, we've shifted out." But um, yeah. you know, St. Louis did that in the last couple of minutes. But sometimes you just see the Flames; they're not switched on like that Montreal game. I I don't know what it is, and I and I've been we've been mentioning this all season, but I don't I I I don't know how to explain what comes over them in games like this. They just they don't care, or they're not mentally prepared, or they're not mentally in the game, or they, they don't believe in themselves. I don't know what it is. 
I think but like, it creeps in way too often. Yeah, like I, I, I'm at a point where I'm starting to point blame more toward the coaching staff than the players, even though the players ultimately control the game. Well, the difficult thing about it is that some games they come out amazing. Everything's yeah. firing, and you know they've got the app, they've got the energy, they've got the attitude, they've got that drive and desire. Other games they come out lackluster, flat-footed. No one seems to really want to pick that team up by the scruff of the neck and push them forward. Uh, I, I I don't know how to explain that, and it's it, it's so frustrating to watch your team. This, this week in particular, these two games were the perfect Jekyll and Hyde comparison of yeah. the Flames season Total so far. Total yin-yang. Like, just like how, do you, how do you transform from that to that? I, I just don't. Like, what happened in the dressing room for the guys to be like, okay, we're going to play our ass off against St. Louis, but then we're going to totally shit the bed against Montreal. Like, yeah. it was a total 50-50. Like, one I mean, side was amazing. Were, the games were 48 hours apart. Exactly. And it's just like, okay, you guys built all this momentum against St. Louis. It's not like St. Louis is a shitty team. St. Louis is a fucking great team. And you played that well against them, and... You know, you, you say, okay, well, we got some momentum to build off here, and then all of a sudden you come out so flat against Montreal. Like, they scored, a, I think they scored within three minutes of the game. It got called yeah. back. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, actually, and then they scored again another five minutes later. Actually, my buddy and I were in line to get drinks because guess what? The fucking bathroom line was <laughs> so long before the game goddamn started. So <laughs> we couldn't sit in our fucking seats for God knows how long. But. We saw the goal happen. I was yelling out, challenge it, challenge it. Because it, didn't, it, looked, it looked really close it on was, TV. It was very close. And you know what? When they So whoever runs the, uh, the Jumbotron replays, the guy was not pausing it <laughs> when the puck was just about to cross the blue line and to show the skate of – I forgot the player's well, name right now. He's not paid to know hockey. No, he's I, paid yeah, to play apparently. videos, Jake. Yeah, Come apparently, on. yeah. But I'm sure when you were watching it on TV – you were seeing actual pauses of at which point was it offside or not. Anyway, it was really close on TV. It, it was really close. I thought I honestly thought we weren't going to get it. I'm amazed we got that. I, I it, was. It came to nothing at the end of the day. I was totally convinced we were going to get it. But oh, it looked like it looked like there wasn't that conclusive evidence piece. I, I it was, honestly was so close. I was super confident because, well, I had to be at that point because I was like basically yelling at everybody in the drink line going like, that's not a goal. That's not a goal. And I was yelling at Montreal fans too. So I was hoping I'd be <laughs> what right else at is that new? point. Yeah. But I mean, you know, <laughs> that call, I don't like that call. I don't like this coaches challenging the offside call to bring back a goal. Because really? No, I, I don't. You like that? Yeah, it's I love so it. It's so close. No, man, it's I love so it. It's so close. No, no, no. Like, that, they, that could have changed He's allowed the game. to look at it on his iPad Maybe, and yeah. see the replay and then call it back? That's not fair. What, what's wrong with that, though? That's ridiculous. What if the referee Come on, we're all humans up? here. It's a human game. Okay, I agree with that. But, like, what if— And I think the referee should be giving the offensive team the benefit of the doubt. If it's that close, which it was that close. It was that I'm, close. Obviously, this is the Flames fan cast in episode 15— we're not Montreal fans by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm a hockey fan too. Yeah, I and agree. I, and I want to see goals. Yeah, and I, I want to see, see goals offense, too. Uh, offensive attacking moves, and I want to see players, you know, on the edge, play on the edge, which means on the edge of offside too. And then if a coach can call that back because they can look on their iPad and they can see that it was a millionth of a second offside, he was that fat. It just it ruins the game, and you had to wait for it. 
I don't you're know if it ruins there. the game, but you got to keep the referees honest. Like, it's not like we got... It's not like they're dishonest. No, How are you well, supposed to make I that don't know. Call? The Weidman factor. Like, you, you know, like... That's we're, different. That's different. Well, it's not different. That's not an offside call. And it wasn't against us. It was yeah, against but Montreal. I mean, like, if you're a referee and you're like, fuck the Flames. I don't, I don't <laughs> like the Flames. And they're just like, you know what? I, that's offside. That's all. I don't care. Like, no benefit of doubt for you guys. Like, if the referee calls it offside, there's no way for Gulletson to call it back. I guess, but in this case, he was like... You guys fucked up, and it worked. And is that going to make the refs want to call things in your favor even more if you're probably saying not. they're wrong? No, probably not. But and you know, ideally, you want this to happen maybe more at the end of a game rather than the first three minutes of a game. I don't know. Like I, I like the coaches challenge thing. I like I like keeping referees honest. Like I know they're human beings too, but you need to have that element of of the game now, like in any sport, because. Athletes are getting faster, stronger, better overall. The quality of our hockey has gone so much better. Like you've watched the hockey, you've watched hockey in the 80s, you watched it in the 90s, early 2000s. You have to say the overall quality of this way game better. Way, is better. way better. Way better. But unfortunately for the referees, you know, there's no evolution of referees at this point. Right? There's evolution of players, there's evolution of the game. But I don't think the referees have kept up with that. How, are, how are they supposed to keep up? But they can't. But that's what I mean. Like, that's kind of what I'm getting at is that they can't keep up well, with you the have game like, in that respect. You have video-assisted refereeing. I think there's a reason why a lot of sports are adopting that is because the athletes are evolving beyond uh, and I mean, certain aspects of the hockey game. Hockey has rules, and then they have unwritten rules. Yeah. Like, you look at players. I mean – Okay, if it says it's illegal to cross-check a player, how many cross-checks go unpunished? There's, yeah. like a, there's like a line where the referee decides a certain severity of a cross-check is a penalty. Mm-hmm. But if I cross-check you and you cross-check me, it might not be a penalty. It, and, and roughing. Roughing is totally subjective. The refs decide totally. it could be a soft roughing call or a serious roughing call. It could be, it could be both of you are going off for roughing, one only. I, I mean... It's it's really hard because it's it's a human sport. It's really hard but to I think find that. Refereeing is is subjective in many sports, right? Like football every sport, has every, every sport. sport. Yeah, but when like, do you call that penalty, right? And you just have to call it evenly in that game. But I think the referees don't necessarily. Maybe I'm being presumptuous at this point, but I don't think referees take coach challenges as a insult to their intelligence, more to the fact that they. May have just missed something. No, I I agree absolutely. Like, like but I mean, we're just talking. We're talking about the Weidman effect. No, here, but right? uh, yeah, but I only we got to be taking these referees out to you know thousand yeah. dollar meals. Yeah, which I, the NHL would frown upon. We'd be in trouble if we did that. I think I'd they, give him a briefcase actually, of money. The if ref I the would flames. probably be in trouble because they if they accepted that, they probably have a code of conduct that says no they for can't sure. Do but that. okay, we're not going to get into bribes. But here, I mean, even though I'd be all for th- it. Think about it. If you have if you have a rule saying cross checking is illegal, then you should be calling every kind of cross check. If it's if I put my two hands on the stick and I slam the shaft of the stick into your body at any height, at any level, at any velocity, at any power, it should be called. Yeah. And if slashing, if you want that out of the game, you, I tap your hands. I'm not trying to play the puck. I'm physically tapping your hands. That's a slash. Or whatever you want to call it. Any kind of penalty is a penalty you should call it. And I think 
I think if we're gonna if we're gonna have a rule book that says that, where do you draw the line? Because cross checks upsets me a lot. Because I see a lot of cross checks that just go unpunished. Like mm-hmm. you're you're getting cross checked. You you come to the front of the net, and you're getting cross checked. And they never call that. Like right in the back, that lower back area just below the numbers, it sucks to get cross checked. Unless there. you get unless you get uh, I mean unless you totally sell it. Some players are very good at selling it. I've right? seen players get hit in the numbers or below, go down, and then and then they, they don't get the call. They just get back up. Yeah. I mean, that cross-checking call, what, what game was that? I think it was the St. Louis game. The guy cross-checked our player to the face, mm. and he was upset that he got a penalty. <laughs> that, that can't happen. You, <laughs> you literally cross-checked the guy in the face, and you thought that was a – no, that's not a penalty. That's, cross, that's cross-checking. I mean – that's that's ridiculous that we that we've created this kind of but uh, culture well, around rules like that that's a blatant penalty but the but the referee challenge thing is very it's not applied properly in the NHL yet i think the problem is is that they can only challenge certain instances right so like how does a pro sports league not figure out how to apply a coach's challenge well, properly it's i mean okay to your point so the guy gets cross-checked in the face. What if they didn't call it? I don't think Galtson... That's a travesty. No, I know, but like Galtson can't necessarily challenge that. The only thing he could challenge is Sorry. basically the offside. Are you saying he should be able to challenge that? Yes, Well, absolutely. then any kind of cross-check, and then, okay, they, they want to... Ch- they'll be challenging all the time. They'll be little whatever... Yeah, but you pink only flags, get like maybe one a period. Red flags, orange flags, yeah, turquoise but you get one flags, a magenta flags, salmon-colored magenta. flags. Magenta they're all be flowing. Tyler has a box of crayons right beside him right now. The coach is going to have a drone that he can fly around and drop whatever kind of color flag he wants on the ice. Like that's a that's an interference call. <laughs> no, that should be a five minute no, major. No, no, you get one challenge per period. That's a saffron flag. It's Throw that one saf- out. Where do you come up with this shit, saffron? What saffron's I'm saying. Saffron's a color. I know. If it it's is. not, it should be. That spice saffron, it can be a color. <laughs> I guarantee you, Crayola has a. All I'm saying is that, crayon. like, if you have one coach's challenge per period, and you t- truly believe that one play should have been a penalty, you should be able to challenge it. I'm that's not saying I agree with you in the sense that I don't want to. I don't want to. Well, one per period is not that much. Like, I mean, we watch games. We've watched almost every game this season. And it's just like. There have been plays almost more than you know, two or three times per period where you're just like, that's a fucking penalty. Yeah. Well, what we should do is, like like you've said before, two lines of superstars, two lines of goons, no Man, referees. I you police that, yourself. That model will work. Police yourself. And then you can have a coach's challenge that model to will like work. have a mercy flag out there. Be like, you got your goon line out <laughs> against my star flag. Mercy. Mercy. I think that shit would work. Well, I don't two think anyone. Stars, you should be two a lines GM. Of goons. I'd advocate for you. I'd advocate. I'd for cheer you. for your team. If you were a GM, I'd no, be there for you. I don't have that kind of. I got no business savvy, man. But I don't I, know what I do as a GM. I think it's tempting, though. It is tempting. Arizona. And just there's always a chance it. in Arizona. You know what? We just we just whip Didn't up they our. Hire that 24 year old kid or something to do uh, data analytics. Some yeah. guy who sat in his basement and read NHL.com over and that. over and over again. A lot of clubs have that. No, but now. he was 24. He made the news. Yeah, he made the news. He's going to be GM of Arizona one day because no one cares. Maybe. No, he is. 
Well, we're gonna find we out this we don't guy's even know, name. We don't gonna, even know his name. I was we're just gonna find it out. <laughs> like, Not right now, but we're gonna find out. <laughs> we're, later. We'll figure out his name later. But you know, the, the the game is moving toward that whole data analytics. Like everyone's trying to do the money ball, coursey bullshit. But the problem with hockey is that hockey is very dynamic. Yeah. You you don't have the left-handed pitcher versus the left-handed batter no, exactly situation yeah. like. Well, you, you no, you're right. You're right. Well, you don't right. because like well, you kind of have, have that a, lefty right. D, well, you might have like left a wing, right left-handed wing. right winger, for example, against a right-handed lefty. But I hear you. It's not nearly as severe. Yeah. Right, but like he could be on his like wrong rear foot or something like that when he's skating backwards. Like all this stuff is there's too many things in the air. I hate Corsi. I'm just gonna throw that out there right now. I think it's the stupidest fucking thing, but I think it's also, I think people are trying to make it into something that will be useful down the road. Everything starts at a grassroots. I think Corsi will be at grassroots for a long time because hockey is way too different in every aspect. Like baseball can't be applied to hockey knowledge because baseball is very static, right? right? Left-handed pitchers, right-handed batters. I mean, there is... Right. You know how do you? I, I get how what do you're you make saying, yeah. yeah how do you I, make I that agree. situation different right? But in hockey, it's like you will never have the exact same play twice. Look, look at these players. For example, let's take two players: Nail Yakupov and Alexander Daig. High, high draft picks that turned out to be junk, absolute shit, right? And, and I mean, you're anticipating that these kind of players are not going to be like that, but they are. And w- what did their Corsi tell you about their junior stats? Fucking incredible. Well, if you if you applied Corsi to Alexander Digg, which you really... Why do you think he got you drafted? Really, you really... Wh- wh- when did, did he get drafted? You dug deep for the uh, <laughs> Digg example. I'm actually pretty impressed, by the way. I'll be surprised if like most of our listeners even know who the fuck that is, but... Um, he was agreed. a draft pick. For, I think he was first overall. He was first overall for and he Ottawa. Was garbage. He was terrible. He garbage. Was a massive flop. But agreed. If Corsi's stats were applied to his junior stats, everybody would be like, "This guy's gonna be a stud." Exactly. He's not the next Gretzky, but like he's gonna be a fucking stud. So this is a good segue into more of what I want to talk about. But why didn't he and players like Yakupov and you know, many of the Flames draft picks from basically 1991 to 2010 <laughs> not work out. Rico Fata, I'm talking to okay, you. Okay, but okay. All of our, we, we, we our first round picks have been terrible for a long time. Yeah. But why do these players not work out? First overall pick, Alexander Digg, why did he shit the bed? Well, he was all speed, no hands. Right? And... In fairness, I think he had very little hockey IQ. Yeah, that makes a big difference. And what does Corsi tell you about that? If his Corsi's high, do you take him? But, if, you know, Corsi, Corsi's more about how the guy performs on the ice based on certain circumstances. Against right? the other team. Against particular. the other team. So if he's playing against poor teams or if or poor he's, players. Or poor players, exactly. Like, if he's relatively better than the players that he plays against, then he will look good on Corsi. But to the trained eye, to someone that is a good scout, you know, he'll be like, well, yeah, he's great against dub players or, or fucking, you know, ECHL guys and or whatever. And Ottawa was no Detroit. Well, Ottawa wasn't. Ottawa was shit back then. <laughs> bad. 
Total shit. Bad, very bad. Should we go over They're the still uh, bad. our draft picks? Let let's do it. Let's do okay. it. Okay. What, what what year do you Hold want on. to start just, here? Just because pause, just pause it here. I need to make another drink. You need a drink too. Drink. Okay, so we have some Flames first round draft picks from 1990 to present day, and just just listen to these names and see what you think of that. So 1990. 1990, our first round pick, 11th overall, was Trevor Kidd. Trevor Kidd, not a bad pick, an okay player. Not horrible. Um, below uh, below Trevor Kidd, some players that we can just mention really quick here. You know, Martin Brodeur was drafted number 20th overall. Uh, Keith Kachuk, number 19. Um, fuck, man. I, I'd even take Turner Stevenson at some point here. But, you know, Trevor Kidd wasn't bad. He uh, he was a... Martin he was, Brodeur wasn't bad either. You know, well, yeah. If you can get Martin Brodeur, that would have been fantastic. Um, but our second round that year, interestingly, we had three picks. And these are guys that actually haven't played more than 20 games in the NHL. So Nicholas Pearl never played a game in the NHL. He was number 26. Number 32, Vesa Vitokoski. <laughs> played 23 games, definitely not with the Flames. And then Etienne Belzile, number fucking 41, didn't play a goddamn game. So the Flames had a... Um, Pretty bad draft history in 1990. So let's go to 1991. Um, our first round pick was Nicholas Sundbland. 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 So he played two games in NHL total of his whole entire career. And uh, yeah, let's move on from that. 92. Uh, yeah, really bad. And you know what? Actually, from 1991, from that draft season, our... Um, highest played, or sorry, a player that played the most games in the NHL was Sandy McCarthy, round number three, 52 overall. And his biggest claim to fame is obviously his penalty in minutes, 1,500 minutes in 736 <laughs> games. Wow. Fucking beast. Um, <laughs> but it got better. 1992, we uh, drafted Corey Stillman, uh, number a, six that's overall. A yeah. That's a, that's a def- decent pick. You know, he did really well for us. Um, Everybody else below him, you know, we we drafted Chris O'Sullivan. I don't know if anyone remembers him. Matthias Johansson, Robert Svela, Sammy Helenus. Like, these guys were fucking shit. So let's move on from that. But Jonas Hoagland. Jonas Hoagland. Name he rings was the bell. 10th round, <laughs> 222nd overall. Did pretty good for us. We traded him to Toronto. Um, I remember that really well. 1993, worst draft season amongst draft seasons with the Flames since the 90s. Uh, Jesper Matson didn't play a goddamn game in the 94. Ni- 93. Let's go to 94. No, but like <laughs> I want you to just remember 93 as we drafted German Titov. He was the, all right. In the 13th round. They oh, had sorry, 13th sorry. Round? No, 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 sorry. The 10th round, 252nd overall. They had 10 rounds back then? They had 11 rounds. We only have seven now, right? Yeah. Wow. 94. Number one pick. Sorry, not number one pick. Round one, number 19th. Chris Dingman. Chris Dingman. Chris fucking Dingman. 
who had 385 games in NHL, 15 goals, 19 assists. Dang you know it up there. Troy Brower, you look so much better right now. <laughs> so much better. And this but was Chris in the Dingman, 90s NHL. Oh, man. Was it ever. Goalie still stood up there. Oh, fuck. Like the kick save. They used Mike to make Leuch the double pass act to stave. And but I have to say, just the one pick that I've always loved, Pavel Torgayev, round 11. Pavel, Pavel Turgayev had the best fucking stick handling I've ever seen in my life. That guy was so sick. He only played 55 games in the NHL. But <laughs> he is a fucking beer league king in, the, in, in Calgary right now. He, nobody we, could take the puck off. What are we at, 95? 95. Denny Goche, round one. Third pairing defenseman. Yeah, not so 96. good. 96. Clark Wilm was round six, by the way. Third, third line forward? If that. He didn't 90, deserve to be 97. on the team. 90, 96. Derek Morris, first overall. Not could, bad. Could have been. Could have been, been better. Could have been. Could have been, been a first line better. defender, maybe. But, but we had Tony Lidman in round four that year, and Tony Lidman actually turned out to be much better, for from the holistic level of the Flames. Like you know, he was involved in like our playoff runs and all that. Derek Morris. Uh, 1997. This is when it gets really bad. I don't think we had. Oh man. Let's, I'm let's just looking at the stats here. So, yeah, round one, Daniel Kachuk. Uh, yeah, 19 games, 11 points, and 98. Just, just a whole lot of shit. 98, Rico Fata. Rico one. Fata, 90, 99. 99, Oleg Saprikin, which second I'm okay line, with. You know what? I don't, line you know, I liked Saprikin, you know, but he, was he wasn't a first, he wasn't a first rounder, but I mean, he didn't really. In 99, I guess. No. Next. Okay. 2000, Brent Cron. No, no, no. Or no, ninth no, overall pick in no, the first round. No, ninth overall. You're really rubbing salt in the wound here. Next. Oh, man. Do you even want me to bring up the 2000 entry draft in the first round right now? Yeah. Who's below Brent Cron? Let's just do it really quick here. <laughs> well, we have, we have, uh, well, this is a pretty Hindsight bad draft. Hindsight is 2020. Well, flames. we got Brooks Oprick, or, Orpik in uh, number 18. Froloff, 20th. I mean, this was a bad year. Oh, Cronwell, 29. This is a That's bad Detroit, year. That's Detroit, though. Yeah, but Detroit just knows how to scout. Okay, moving on. Uh, 2001, Chuck Kobusu. Yeah, again. Wasn't like, wasn't horrible, but nothing Yeah, nothing to brag about. We got that Medvedev guy in round three, the goalie, the Russian guy who was like 400 pounds. <laughs> we thought, okay, math doesn't lie. If you cover most of the net... You got this, right? You, you, you Statistically, you should be able to save the puck more times than a guy that's like half your size. That didn't work. But I don't the even flames, know this guy, so obviously yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, but the work. Flames tried to, you know, look outside the box here. Yeah, I, I, okay. can't, I, can't, I can't give them heck for that. <laughs> <laughs> 2002, Eric Nystrom, shit. Um, Next. But Matthew Lombardi was number uh, round three. Not bad. Who wasn't who wasn't horrible? He's for fast. round three, very wasn't fast. Good. Very fast. Okay, 2003, we we uh, turned the corner here. We took Dion Phaneuf, number nine. I thought and he was sixth overall. Number nine overall. Ninth overall. But in fairness, Dion Phaneuf, although in total Neanderthal, uh, who went ahead really ahead, well, though. played really well for us. Uh, let's look here. We had Braden Coburn, Ryan Suter, Mahalik, Vanek. Jerdev, Horton, Stahl, Mark Andre Fleury. Like, like, 
those players are all way better than FNUF. Absolutely. <laughs> but you know what? Below FNUF, though, in fairness. That's an amazing draft year. We had Kostistan after FNUF, Jeff Carter. Really good. But I take FNUF over Andre Kostistan. I wouldn't take him over Jeff Carter, though. No, obviously not. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, still, still, FNUF Jeff, was a good Dustin player. Dustin Brown. Brent Seabrook. Uh, Dustin Brown can go fuck himself. Okay, but y- you would take Dustin. Brent Seabrook. Brent Seabrook. Zach Parise. Uh, Ryan yeah, Getzlaff. Forever back this is injured. A fucking, this is a good year, actually. Getzlaff. Getzlaff yeah. is fucking number 19. Brent Burns, number 20. Oh. <laughs> hey, I take Brent Burns okay, over. Okay, Ryan Kessler, douchebag. No, don't even mention that okay, name. That's okay. forbidden. Mike, Mike Richards after that. Corey Perry. Patrick Eves. This is the same year? This is all the same Corey year. Corey Perry and Getzlaff were the same year? Oh, yeah. Corey Fuck. Perry was uh, number 28. Patrick Eves, number Perry. 29. What a prick. Yeah, but, you know, he's still good. So that first round was actually quite good that year. And we're talking about 2003, folks. Uh, let's go on to 2004. Chris Chucko was our no, uh, next. Number. Yeah, that was. I'm not going to even bother mentioning the other guys. 2005, Matt Pellick. No, no. He played 13 games in NHL. (laughs) Brower is looking so good right now. 2006, Leland Irving. Woo! Do you even know what position he plays? He was a goalie. He was a goalie. 13 games. I remember him, yeah. But we started maybe turning around again in 2007. Michael Backlund, first first round, 24th overall. Uh, He started to kind of pay us back a little bit in the last couple of years. It took I'd a say. long time to develop It took that a while, guy, but know? it's like the Detroit model, right? Detroit never brought up their guys within, like, I guess before they were 25, 24, and they started bringing them up from the A after that, and they were playing really well, right? Uh, 2008, Greg Nimes. Who is that? Like, exactly. I remember watching him get drafted, didn't even – I don't even know if he played a game in the NHL for us. He played 15 games in the NHL, <laughs> probably not for us. Uh, but that year we got TJ Brody round four, which was a good, which was a great pick. We also got Goudreau it. in the fourth round. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what year, but uh, Tim Erickson, 2009, first <laughs> round. 2010. 2010. Max Reinhardt. 2011. Sven Barchi. Dick. But Goudreau was. Drafted that year, round four. 12. Mark Jankowski. Okay, it starts to get better after 2012. Sean Monahan. Monahan, Bennett, Kachuk. Bennett, Anderson, 2015. 2016, Matthew Kachuk. And Valimaki. 2017, Valimaki. So, you know, we're, we're getting better. Is it because... There's a better, there's more depth out there for players to get drafted, or is it because the Flames are actually finally putting some onus on scouting player players? I, I don't I know. I think if you look at those picks, Bennett was fourth overall, Monaghan was sixth overall, Kachuk was Kachuk was uh, sixth overall, and our other picks they weren't necessarily as high, they, but they were still garbage. They yeah. were still garbage. Absolutely. But um, A, we're getting better, and B, the players are getting better, and C, we had, a, we had a bunch of picks that were higher up in the order. Now, is this a Feaster thing? You know what? I, d- I didn't mind Feaster. Like, he was a good – he was better he – he was a good GM. All because of that O'Reilly thing, I think he got 
totally tarnished with that. Like, I mean, in fairness, like, I think we talked about this before, but in fairness, like, how many people know the rules to that extent? Yeah, the offer sheet you're talking yeah, about, right? Yeah, exactly. So I vaguely remember now. He made the offer sheet to Colorado for O'Reilly. We didn't get it. Thank fucking Jesus, because O'Reilly's junk. Yeah, we got lucky there. But he made great draft picks with Goudreau. I think Jankowski's going to turn out to be really good. Well, you got to look outside the first round. Like, that Goudreau pick? That's yeah, absolutely. I'm waiting for Feaster's pick like that. And you know what? In fairness, like, Watherspoon's... Not Feaster, sorry, for living. Watherspoon's played pretty good whenever we brought him up. Yeah, but I think he's you know, been surpassed But, but Kulak, Kulak was also a Feaster pick. Um, Kulak shouldn't be leaving the team from what I've seen right now. I, I like agree. I like I, Kulak I like in the team. There's and John Gillies is a Feaster pick, too. Uh, so yeah. we have yet to see what he can do here. What about you know, Parsons? Who was that? Uh, was that Parsons? Parsons is true. I think so, yeah. I can't I can't find him right now. But yeah. Um we're good at goalie for a while, I think. Yeah, and like even Furland, right? Furland was a fifth round. You know, and he's okay, in fairness, like you and I may not agree that he's a first liner right now, but he is a first liner for the Flames. The guy, you know, he has what, fourteen goals? Yeah. Not terrible. No, it's not. I was thinking about that and saying he should be put on the fourth line, and I thought, well, maybe I was a bit harsh on the guy because he has a lot of goals, and he's doing very well. Agreed. But I just – it's not that – it's no knock on Furland whatsoever. It's just I think that our our team might need a bit of a juggle right now. And You know, like I think um, I think Galdson was switching up the lines, but I think he was doing too late in the Habs game. Um I, you know, what it comes down to for me is that I think the coaching is, is becoming a problem for me. I think I'm, I'm getting to a point where I'm just going to say to our listeners that I'm done with Goldson. <laughs> you know, I was just going to ask you, I saying I think I'm finished with them. How does, and I think you've already answered this question, but how does a team play A, on Wednesday night like they did against St. Louis, and then B, on Friday night like they do against Montreal? How does that happen? I don't know. And I think you can only look at that and say coaching. And I know I, I, personally I'm, I'm really soft on coaches because I think they, have, they get the bunt end of the stick. Like they, they are not they're, – they're the first ones to go when anything goes wrong. Absolutely. And that's not always right. But in the Flames case, I think it, it might be the right call. But again, you know, right now I don't know. Who would you take instead of Gullison? I mean, who's available? Well, that's that's the question, right? Because my you, first answer you, you, to you, you gotta is wait a, for someone to get fired. Yeah, exactly. And my, that, that's the problem. It's like a carousel. Well, so my first answer to you is going to be like a Tortorella type type coach. He's not getting fired from no, Columbus. No, exactly because he's done so well. Um, I could not stand Tortorella. In no, Calgary. I know you couldn't stand him, but I like him. I, but that's my style. I like coaches that are outspoken they're a lot more passionate when they when they when the camera's on them you know they're the guys that are gonna fucking rip their it's all about me no it's not about them my name is john that's bullshit you know that's not about him because like he'll call out the team when he needs to call out the team and he'll call it himself these players are too fragile now they're millennials 
You know, you can't call out Johnny Goudreau. For whatever reason, he's gonna go home and cry it. Yeah, but for whatever you reason, gotta it's working. Him. It's working with Columbus, is it not? Well, those Russians—they don't speak English. Yeah, well, what, what, they don't know what, what Tortorella is saying. What difference does it fucking make? No, whatever, man. It's a stick on the ice. No, 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 no. You know what? Is it working Everybody, with Columbus? They have the worst power play in the league. They have the, but yeah, but the Bobrovsky, record is not bad. Bobrovsky is bailing them out. The record is Bobrovsky not bad. is an amazing goalie. Tortorella who has, throws his stick when he's on a two on zero, but he's still life. an amazing goalie. He goalie. has a shelf life. There's, you get two seasons out of that guy, maybe three, and then you got to get rid of him. But like whatever he does, he gets the most out of the players at the beginning. I just don't think. <laughs> Excuse me. Our management thinks like that. No, be, like I, I'm a guy that thinks like that. See, I'm not saying tr- that I'm right. Tr- I'm living just brought in Gullitson is his guy. But Gullitson, this is his guy. Yeah, but Gullitson, like he looks like he doesn't give a fuck, man. Like he's like looking at the fucking uh, replays on those tablets that they have on the benches, and he, he's like a robot. You know, he's like Gullitson 2000. He's just sitting there going like, uh, and he's just Jim like, Playfair 2.0. Jim Playfair was not like that. Jim Playfair was a fucking passionate guy. On the bench, I didn't see him get no. It, Did you in not the see AHL, his, That's AHL. Yeah, okay, when he had that like, AHL blow up, that's still, AHL. Okay, but he was still. Like, no one does that in the NHL more than Galtzen. That's that's totally different. This is a totally different okay, league. How about this? Nobody I'll does that you, in the NHL. Daryl Sutter. Nobody. Daryl Sutter. The one of the first games I went to when Daryl Sutter became our coach was the Nashville game where Kiprasov fought. At that point, Daryl Sutter that. is a great Darryl coach. Daryl Sutter fucking had his leg and his fucking foot on the fucking bench and yelling at Barry Trotz. Yeah, and I, everybody was all fired up about that. We need sure. guys like that. But Daryl, I I love Daryl Sutter as a coach. <laughs> love him. Yeah, terrible he's a great coach. Terrible, terrible GM, GM, but a great, great coach. Absolutely, the best coach we've ever had. Mm-hmm. He's a great coach. Terrible yeah. GM, great coach. Where is he right now, by the way? He's nowhere. Oh, Daryl. Yeah, but Daryl's old, man. He's doesn't like, matter. He's, he's Daryl. Like, Fuck it, man. No, we're Sutters not are everywhere Sutter. in Alberta. We're not bringing back Daryl. The Sutters, are the, so there's no way anyone can hear you when you're that far back from the microphone. No, man. Like I'm, I'm watching the levels <laughs> here. I'm watching the levels this here. Is, People can you're hear getting me. the insight in the podcast right now, just in yeah, case. Yeah, this is what we have to go for through. our twelve listeners. Yeah, that have Maybe listened eight. to this point. Yeah. Um, you know now that sometimes we have to like have this weird eye contact with each other and it's like get closer. Yeah, we to the don't want to look at each other. <laughs> but Daryl Sutter would be great if we had a Daryl Sutter replacement. So we need cool. a guy. I, I already fucking told you. I said Tortorella is the perfect that, guy for this no, shit. No, Tor- Tortorella is not a Sutter and replacement. Fuck that. No, okay, whatever. That, he's better than he's better than Galtzen, in my opinion. But I hate Tortorella. Torella like was the coach of Tampa Bay when we lost. There's yeah, I know, but I don't. That's not his I fault. could never have that guy in Calgary ever. That's not his fault. It is his fault. It's not his he's fault. The devil. The puck crossed the line. He didn't make he the is call. The, he is the antichrist. Oh man, no, he cannot come. And you just, you just gotta he's let not, bygones. It's not be gonna bygones. happen anyhow. I have you seen our Tampa. ownership? Have you seen them? Yeah, I have. They're not gonna hire Tortorella. Well, we're missing out. That's all I'm trying to say. I don't think we're going to fire the coach anytime soon, so it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. But, any, but if you look at our, our power play, our penalty kill, garbage. Here's, here's the theme. 
One more question before we wrap it up. And I'm going to I want to save my main theme point for next 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 podcast, but from these two games, one game you saw really impressive St. Louis showcase. We came out, we played hard, we won. Absolutely terrible game against Montreal. We didn't seem to care. We we weren't really motivated. We didn't have any kind of mental strength or bounce back cape. Well, Sure, we scored two goals, but they were all moot. But we let them score three three unanswered goals first. Um, what is this? What is the one thing this team needs in the future to go forward to be successful? Or, or let let me qualify successful by saying make the playoffs. I think we got to be open to playing Riddick a lot more. We That's the one thing we need. Well. One thing, one, one thing. One thing. You're asking one thing. One thing. The one thing we need. Okay, wow. Um, I think we need better defense. I think we need day in, day out, in your face, scruff of the neck leadership that says, boys, we're going to go out there. We're down, whatever, or we're up. We're not going to lose this game, or we are going to fight back tooth and nail, and we're going to win this game. I think we need that. And well, who's going to do that uh, again? You know, I love Giordano, but that bicep injury ever since that injury he had, he's not been the same player. And the most disappointing point for me for this season was that when we looked at our defense and everyone was sitting back and just blowing their load all over our defense, just saying, oh, my God, this is the top one of the top defenses in the NHL, and then we and come it's not out the first time we've like, heard this. Like we are, it's just I put my hand no, we're not. in my hands, and I shake it, and I just don't. I watch these guys play day in day out, and you know a player like Roman Yossi comes to our building, and like my God, I wish we had him. And yeah. I look at Nashville's defense and, and those top four players, and they blow our four out of our, the water. Our defense is not as good as our fans think it is. It's it's definitely not. It really not. isn't. No, I'd say it's bottom and, half. And one shining point, one highlight. Stone played really, really well when Hamanich went down, and he 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 stepped up, and the coach was playing him a lot. And you know what? That guy, he has the qualities in him to shut down other players, and I don't know if anyone else on our defense has that. And I agree. I look at our defense, and who really scares you? Going forward, if you look at an offensive threat from our defense, who who terrifies you? Maybe TJ. No, maybe. no one, no one. Yeah, maybe. You want to play against TJ Brody? Well, lately, yes, but on TJ on 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 forum is pretty scary. I could name fifteen other defenders I'd rather play. Probably. I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm just making a point. I'd rather like, not play against. I'm saying maybe, right? I, I didn't even give you a clear-cut answer there for a reason. But anyhow, the question's but we missed, not fair. We missed, but we missed because I ask it. you for one thing when there's a lot of things that we need. Yeah, we need way more things, but yeah, like if there's the forefront of things that we need to improve, it's going to be defense. Anyhow. There's a lot to talk about. Um, Next podcast, we're, we're, we're hoping to have a, a roundtable discussion about where the Flames are midseason, where they're going to go, what we need, what we've done, what we've done well, what we haven't done well, everything Flames. Hopefully you like it. Hopefully you like all of these things. If you're still listening, you must like us somehow because this is the end of the episode. Wow.
Wow, indeed. I, I don't even know what to say. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> this is all we got. <laughs> we got nothing else in our lives right now. You guys are listening to us, and it's just like, wow, like we're making a difference of like four lives right now. I can't believe you're fucking still listening. <laughs> but we're so thankful. If we were millionaires, we'd give you money right now. We'd be like, here you go. Thanks for listening. We have no but equity, thank though. you for listening. We do yeah. appreciate we're, it. We're under the money this is, doing this, this is, right now. This is sincere thanks. Yes, this is completely sincere. And we're, fancast we're, we're, we're trying to make sure that you guys enjoy it, too. Flamesfancast at gmail.com. You can tweet us. You can email us. Let us know your questions. Let us know your thoughts. We're getting a lot more questions lately, which is good. <laughs> have a very Merry Christmas. We'll wish you Happy, happy New Year on the, the next one. Festivus. Whatever you Take care of yourself and your family. Up. Be good to everyone. Whatever you Smile celebrate. Lots. I got a Festivus pole in my place right now. Good night. Good morning. Good evening. Bye-bye. Bye.